Oh, mm-hmm. today I had the Zoom meeting from hell. Oh, so really? The Zoom meeting started at 9 a.m. and it finished at 4 p.m. Oh, no. And, like, I, I know people talk about, like, Zoom fatigue and stuff like that. Oh, it's real. It is real. Oh, my God. It was awful. How did you do lunch? So I was surprised. At first, I thought, are we going to have a break? And then it didn't seem like it. And then they were like, we should probably get something. And so we had like a 30-minute break for lunch. But it was one where they were like, but when you finish your lunch, just come back into like the small group meeting section things and you can continue talking. And it was just like, my God, like I'm just going to pretend that I'm still at lunch for a while. <laughs> like it that's... was it was i had not had a meeting this long on zoom from like 9 a.m and it was just us it was two meetings basically that and one of them was only for an hour the other one was the entirety of that time jeez and i was like oh well i'll learn what zoom fatigue is it took me three hours to get to zoom fatigue by noon <laughs> we hadn't had a break yet i didn't know if lunch was coming or even on the agenda and at that point, I was just like, I don't want to be here. I I hate my, I don't even want to be at work anymore. I don't want to continue with, like, if you were like, oh, the meeting's over, you can go back to work. No, no, not after three hours of Zoom. I just want to leave and like go home. And then they gave us a lunch break. And that kind of brought my spirit back enough to where it was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do another three hours of this. And yeah. We did, and then we had a different meeting at least, so a topic was different, and it was like, these people don't know the hell I've been through, so I'll just suck it up. (laughs) So, oh God, I can't even imagine what you would talk about on a Zoom call for six hours. Like, yeah, it was just... What kind of meeting goes that long? Like, non-Zoom, I'm trying to just imagine like being called into like a conference room or something. And spending six hours in a conference room. Like, are you deciding if someone's guilty of murder? Is that what that Zoom call was? It was basically just different PowerPoint presentations with different people giving, like, ideas for, like, budgets and future stuff. And, like, what are we going to do? That's even worse. The problem was, like, so I wasn't presenting, but, like, I had a team that was presenting. And my team fucked it up. And I knew they had fucked it up because they showed me what they had ahead of time. And I was like, oh, God, this is this is very subpar. And they're like, we got this. We're going to be OK. And then we watched the first presentation and it's like fantastic. It's got like moving slides and like color transitions and stuff. And I see what like my team has like five slides for a good 20 minute presentation. And that's it. They're like, we're going to wing it. And I'm just like, oh, no. Second one goes up fantastic again another great people are like clapping in the meeting thing and then my team just goes up there and i'm just watching them and it was just oh god it was awful and that's train wreck it was just i know this is bad why don't you guys realize it's bad and it's not like you're in comp it was just uh i i i hope i don't have to do this but they're like oh we'll reconvene in a month And we'll do more presentations to update the teams and everybody on what's going on. And it was just, oh, God. Like, (laughs) it's, oh, like, this is, it's worse than, like, high school, like, group presentations and stuff. Yeah. Anytime PowerPoint comes up, you have, like, war flashbacks to to high school and any, any job where you need to do PowerPoint presentations. Do you have flashbacks to high school with PowerPoint, buddy? Yeah. You had PowerPoint in high school? Am I old? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, I remember being impressed because they they introduced laptops. And the teacher was so, like, pleased in AP history. He was like, we just got this from the school budget. I rented a whole bunch of laptops from the library. We can use them to type our notes. And then he began writing on the chalkboard. And, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to use pen and paper because this seems dumb. Because everybody would write all their notes. And then they had to go back to the library to print it all out. And I was just like, okay, like, what if you, it was just, I didn't, I didn't trust the technology at the time. I'm trying to think, did we have PowerPoint into probably, because no, like I remember middle school in, we had to learn how to type. I had to learn how to send emails in eighth grade. Like that's, that's my, my age is there. Like we didn't have like fancy PowerPoints and stuff. 
Yeah, senior year of high school. I don't think I had a single PowerPoint. No, no. Like it was college. Listener, I was keeping quiet the entire time just to see how long he could talk to himself about PowerPoint. I mean, I just, I just feel old now. I'm an old man, T-Man. I don't understand what PowerPoint has to do with making you feel old, because that's been like a part of Microsoft's suite for a long time. I don't think so. I think it's it's my time now. Just go on without me. Ugh. Yeah, okay. Just so we're clear, PowerPoint was released in 1987. There's no fucking way, though, that PowerPoint was around in, like, early 90s. What teacher was using PowerPoint? Like, maybe the government had PowerPoint. Look, I'm not saying anything. I'm saying it's been around since 1987. Uh, It was apparently acquired by Microsoft in 87 and has been a part of Microsoft Office since 93. So, I mean, I don't even remember Microsoft, though, before, like, Windows 98. I remember how you were on a Zoom call from hell today? Yes. we have now had a seven-minute-long discussion on PowerPoint and Zoom on a gaming podcast. How do you think our listeners feel right now? I feel like they can relate because they probably use this stuff. It's a gamer. We're here. It's a gamer. This makes no fucking sense, but we're doing it anyway. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Make Me a Gamer, the procedurally generated podcast that's a roguelike for your ears and has absolutely nothing to do with PowerPoint. I'm your host, T-Man, and I'm here with... Harvey Z, in the place to be. I kept trying to, like, have, like, a good cutoff point so the, where the intro could go, and you kept responding every time I said something else. We need a cue to know, like, when it's going to just, like, cut me off with a DDDDD thing. <laughs> It used to be able to, I could give you a visual cue when we were across from each other, but now I got nothing. I just, I can't do a a slit in my throat sort of like, no, stop that. And so it's like, I was like, oh, he's not good. Okay. I'm vamping. I'm just going to keep talking about this. Okay. We're going to keep going. Cause at some point you would just start going with hello, everyone. I mean, I would have if you had given me the opportunity, but you kept vamping every time I tried to stop. <laughs> also, vamping about PowerPoint, you need to work on your vamp skills. Just just let's I leave mean, that one in the the garbage for now. It's it's not easy, buddy. Like it's hard <laughs> being the Z sometimes. Like I got to vamp on weird topics. That's uh, okay. That's fair enough. Uh but we don't need to we don't need to go any further than this. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about today. Harvey Z, you've been playing a ton of games, I've heard. Have you? Who's Who ratted <laughs> me out? <laughs> I've been, Just put like, you on the spot. Okay, I mean, I've been doing like one thing, and it's not playing games. It's preparing yeah, I, to play a game. Yeah, I know, I know. I've, I completely just made that up on the spot. He actually told me ahead of time that there was... He hadn't been had much time to play any games, and so I just wanted to see how you reacted to, to uh, a friendly setup there after so much talking. We'll start off with the biggest news, which is not going to be huge by the time this comes out, because I'm a little behind based on the fact that I added that um, summary episode or best of episode, which I've gotten a lot of good feedback for. A lot of people seem to enjoy listening to some of the the stuff that ended up in that episode. So I might do more, another one later. Uh, But right now I'm working on all stuff we've actually recorded that's new. So this past Monday, uh, right before we recorded this, uh, Microsoft acquired Bethesda for $7.5 billion dollars. Um, oh, I and, I might have heard of this, yeah. Oh, Mr. Oh, I haven't heard any big news from the gaming industry this week. It's been kind of quiet. I um, was like, it's Bethesda. <laughs> like, at this point, I'm just like, okay, why do you want it? Well, like, so here's the thing. So, of third-party developers, there's Ubisoft, Activision, EA, Take-Two, Bethesda. I'm probably forgetting one. But those are like the the big ones that like I would say those are the top five third party 
developers in terms of money they put into games. Uh, Activision is Call of Duty. EA, you know all the stuff EA does. Mm-hmm. Ubisoft has Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs and Rainbow Six. And Take-Two is Rockstar. So, you know, they have all the, the GTA games as well. I think Does Take-Two still own Bioshock? I think they do. And other stuff under that umbrella. So there, and so those are the big ones. And then, of course, there's Bethesda, who has had troubles as of late. We have chronicled the numerous failings and hilarious results of Fallout seventy six. Basically, over the course of this entire podcast, like <laughs> it started right around where we started this podcast, and and Fallout seventy six just keeps failing upwards or downwards. Actually, probably more like of a accurate description and so bethesda's has like a lot of single player experiences that didn't that were critically acclaimed but didn't sell very well like the dishonored franchise the first one did well but the second one didn't do as well uh sales wise uh wolfenstein the prey game i guess doom the first doom did good doom eternal didn't do as good oh bethesda's a doom people yeah yeah bethesda owns doom bethesda owns fallout bethesda owns elder scrolls so skyrim oh um, okay they got some good stuff why yeah why yeah. haven't so we they, focused on that like their successes because that hasn't happened in like the last two years like they haven't had any decent hits like the they're they were putting a lot on fallout 76 as being like a big games as a service draw that would you know last for a while while they're working on um, the next Elder Scrolls game or what and whatnot. So Microsoft has now acquired them, which means there's a good chance uh, PlayStation won't get any future games of those series. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because this is like a major acquisition. Oh, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is the other one that has a decent selection of uh, games under its belt so that that's an uh the other third party that i i knew i was missing so i think it's going to be interesting to see how microsoft handles this you don't spend 7.5 billion dollars on a company and then just put it on playstation as well like this is clearly a move to give them some first party sort of games that are only on the xbox to kind of drive people to the ecosystem but at the same time, they have been very big on like crossplay and Game Pass and like making games available as much as possible. So games like Minecraft, um, you know, Microsoft bought Minecraft and they've kept it on all systems because, you know, it'd be hard to take Minecraft off of PlayStation and other places because Minecraft is just such a juggernaut. And oh god i was i was gonna make a point for that oh the ori games uh were originally microsoft exclusives and then they both came to switch so i can see like with maybe bigger games having some sort of exclusivity for a while to the microsoft console and like get like the day one buyers that are really need to play it right away but then eventually open it up to like the playstation uh ecosystem as well and maybe keep like the smaller titles exclusive to Xbox to kind of draw t- people in to that niche, like say dis- a new Dishonored game or something like that. Because they're that, hoping that's... basically that their game is so popular that someone's going to buy the whole system. I mean, that's what kind of what Sony does. You know, a lot of a Sony banks on its exclusives. You know, God of War, uh, Horizon, Last of Us, all of those only come out on the PlayStation. And most of those don't even come out on, on PC, whereas Microsoft, at the very least, you know, because they're Microsoft, they release things on PC and the Xbox. Uh, pretty much okay. all their exclusives are not exclusive to just a console. You can also get them on PC. So that's a big driving force in Sony's marketing for getting people on the PlayStation, which is, you know, you can only get PlayStation games on the PlayStation. Similar to how... Mario games are only on Nintendo, so you know you mm-hmm. have to get a Nintendo system if you want to play Legend of Zelda or, um, you know, the newest Mario or the newest Pokemon. So having micro- having Bethesda under their belt gives them yet another uh, reason to, to keep things 
exclusive to Xbox for a little while to try and, and drive up sales in that aspect. Any thoughts? Oh, I was going to quietly end it there. <laughs> I mean, I, was, okay. I, I interjected with my whole, like, wait, is this actually the way you can make money? And then, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, it's just, it seems like a console war strategy from, like, 10, 15 years ago. And I feel like maybe the economy or the strategy should have moved on to some new one. Like, oh, we can make everything not exclusive, but we get a cut of everything. Like, the Fortnite kind of, like, we want our fingers on everybody's, like, games. Yeah, like... There's a lot of discussion as to whether this helps or hurts the ecosystem. I saw some people saying that, like, we should be moving towards all systems have all games and you just choose how you want to play it and and what you want to buy and that that's better for the gamers and for the economy. Then I saw other people being like, well, you don't go to Burger King and get upset because they don't have a quesadilla. You know, if you want a quesadilla, you go to Taco Bell. And Burger King has the Whopper, and, you know, you can only get a Whopper at a Burger King. Um, but if you go to a jack-in-the-box, you can get a taco and a burger. Very true. Uh, I don't think they have jack-in-the-boxes around here, do they? No, it's a West Coast thing, and the tacos are yeah. pretty shitty. But still, <laughs> like, it's there. So, Microsoft maybe wants to try to be the jack-in-the-box of video games, where you can get your tacos and your burgers. You think maybe? Well... Just serve lots of low quality products, and if we just we just need to get the the people who are going to come looking for a game anyway. Listen, Taco Bell isn't any higher quality than Jack in the Box. Let's be real here. I mean, we can get into this, buddy, but like it's been a while. I actually gave up on Taco Bell, and I haven't probably eaten it in a decade now, over a decade. But I'm assuming it's still better than Jack in the Boxes shit tacos like, taco bell is a very specific kind of craving and a very specific kind of food like if i'm craving mexican food i don't get taco bell if i'm craving taco bell i get taco bell there it's very specific like you, but if that it's is, like 2 a.m and you're just hungry taco bell that's that's <laughs> the way that worked it was just like jack in the box their tacos are simply for the stoner who's like Wait, I could get a taco and a burger? Yes. <laughs> oh, jeez. I really feel like more restaurants should have that philosophy, though. Where you can get, like, the something for everyone sort of thing. Where they have, like, Mexican food and Indian food. Oh, and... God, no. No. <laughs> no. Like, as someone now who's watched a lot of, like, Food Network and, like... I'm a, I'm a chef specialist. I'm a restaurateur. I understand the business because I just watched a lot of TV. No, that's a terrible, terrible idea. Oh, but think that's... of how good it would be for people. You know, you go out with a group of like five or six people. No one ever agrees on where they actually want to eat. You go to this one restaurant and they've got it all. So everyone gets a little bit of everything. You can get pizza or pasta if you're feeling Italian. You know, heat up a burrito for... For Mexican food, you know, if you're craving a burger, grab a burger. Come on, you're always going for the the get-rich-quick schemes. This is a solid idea. I think we could go franchise, go national with this. What this does is what this creates is basically like the Applebee's of the world, though. Where you have these restaurants that are like, oh, we'll give you steak, and we'll give you, like, burgers, and we'll give you this. And then once in a while, we'll give you, like, some weird fucked-up pasta. And we've got everything that you want, and it's not good. Like, that's the thing. This is a good idea in concept. Like, oh, this will make the customers happy. But it actually lowers the quality. And I feel like this relates to video games now. If you do things with video games where we'll just do a little bit of everything, and you don't specialize in like, okay, this is what we're really good at, graphics, or we're going to have really good soundtrack games or such. But instead, we're going to make puzzlers, we're going to make shooters, we're going to make every type of RPG, card game, whatever – you're not going to really, I think, put out a good product. I was with you on the analogy, but I, start, I think I started I to th- lose it in video game territory. No, no, like you had it, you had a good setup for it, but I think you should have focused focused your analogy on a single game instead of like trying to apply uh, it to like a studio making different kinds of things. You should have focused it on 
one game trying to give you everything because when people do that it's it's terrible like you said like focusing on on specific aspects for a specific game kind of like how avengers ended up kind of mediocre to a lot of people because they tried to do too much and please everyone with it and it's just kind of like meh Uh, i was about to name one of my favorite games that you hate did that exact thing what brutal legend brutal legend such a good that's another one such a bad game but but such a good game Uh, i mean that one is that one's not even it's more like a a mid-act mid-act two twist that completely (laughs) changes the gameplay with no warning it's like going to a movie and the first half is a comedy and the second half is a horror movie and it's not even advertised at all that was a horror movie it could be good though. Those are somewhat popular if well done. But yeah, but people going in thinking it's a comedy and wanting to see a comedy are going to be upset at the second half becoming a slasher fic. Flick, slasher fic. Whatever. That's I guess how you create slasher fic and slasher <laughs> flick are two different things completely. <laughs> Ooh, I would, I would watch and read both of those. Um. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I do want to talk about a good game uh, because I've been playing a game a lot and I bought it last Thursday because so God, when we did the PlayStation, we covered the PlayStation event already, right? That was right before last week's episode. So the, the day after that, there was a Nintendo direct and they announced a bunch of new third party things. And one of them was that a game I've been looking forward to for a long time dropped on Switch. Like, they shadow dropped it that day uh, last mm-hmm. week. Uh, and that's Hades. And I am loving this game so much. It's, like, skyrocketed to, like, one of my tops for the year, for sure. It's caught and... my attention from, like, not just you, but other people tweeting about it as well. So I'm like, it looks cool, but I have no idea what the game is about or, like, other than it right. looks pretty. Okay, so first of all, it looks very pretty. Um, it's by Supergiant, who did Bastion, the game I've talked about. They also did Transistor and Pyre, games I haven't talked about as much, but both still very good. Uh, and Hades has been in early access on PC for at least a year, maybe longer. But I was like, I don't do early access. I did the yeah. same thing with Dead Cells. Like, it looks okay. But I'm not going to touch an early access game until it's released fully. And it's weird coming into games like these after they've been in early access. Because like you've got the people who have been playing them since they could ha- be able to play them. And so there, you've got like people who are already experts at the game. And the game has been officially out for like a week. Uh, so it's weird. But Hades is, first of all, it's a roguelike. So that's okay. a point in your direction. Yeah. Um, it is to give a good, uh, comparison that fits into your wheelhouse. It's very similar to children of Morta where it's the, it's the same kind of combat system where it's kind of like isometric. You're running around killing things with different weapons. Um, and it's also like children of Morta in the sense that there's a continuing story and, the story is basically you're Hades's 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 I I don't know how do you how do you do possessive of Hades Hades, Hades? apostrophe but I don't say Hades apostrophe I'm trying to figure it's, out how it's to... known they know it they got to put it in themselves Hades Hades I I, I hello Hades <laughs> oh God no. <laughs> Let me adjust my fedora there. Oh, God. No, 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 no. Okay. So you're Hades' son, Zagreus. Everyone else in the game is, like, from the Greek pantheon. Like, you're Hades' son, and you are trying to leave Hades. And he's like, fuck it, go ahead. You know, I don't care. You're not going to make it out of here. And so you have to basically battle up through the the levels of Hades to try and escape. And it's a roguelike. So, you know, each 
time you battle through it's slightly different like you go, the the levels are the same each time in terms of like you start in tartarus tartarus and then asphodel is world two and then elysium is world three um huh. and so you're battling up through these worlds each time but things change every time you run through the game like there's a total of six different weapons that you choose at the beginning of the run, and you're stuck with that weapon for the entire run. Um, there's a sword, there's a spear, there's a bow, uh, there's gloves, a uh, Captain America-style shield, and a gun, basically, are the, the six <laughs> types. And you know, they're all, they all play slightly differently, and as you progress, the main thing that changes how you play are boons. That you get from other gods in the pantheon because they're trying to help you because they all hate Hades and they're trying to help you escape. So they but they can't like directly influence the underworld because that's where Hades is in control. But they can send you like boons that increase, you know, your power to help you escape. And so you'll get a boon from Zeus and it'll add lightning to your attack or You'll get a boon from Ares, and it makes you stronger. And so, uh, you, str I think Ares's effect is God. Why am I picking all the? Why are there so many S names in Greece? God, so stupid. Can't pluralize anything. How would they pluralize it in Greek? Maybe that's why they all end in S, because it's easier to. I don't know. Anyway, Ares's effect is Doom, which is just like a flat damage addition after a certain amount of time after you hit an enemy. Dionysus uh, adds hangover, which is basically poison, which is damage over time. And so there's all these different boons you can get. And you can, as you play through, you can combine them and get some really cool effects on how you're playing the game. And once you learn how to do stuff, it makes every build so satisfying. And every time you play, it's slightly different because based on what weapon you choose and what boons you end up getting. Because you never know, like, what gods you're going to run into. How many gods are, like, is there a, is, is a boon, like, you beat a level, you get a boon? Or it's, like, random throughout? or? Uh, so, it's basically, there's rooms you clear, and each time you clear a room, you get something. Now, sometimes you get the boons, which are what add to your abilities. But you can also get, like, money... Um, there's a couple different types of currencies uh, that you can get. There's like a there's darkness. There's uh, there's like jewels or gems or something like that. Uh, and then there's keys. Those are the three base ones. And then you can get some other stuff that that I can. I don't want to really spoil too much uh, mm -hmm. if you're interested in playing because the discovery everything is kind of layered. And so you you find out new things on each run. And like more of the stuff opens up to you. But the, the darkness that you find is a currency used to like add to your base power when you start a run. So like in addition to the weapon you choose, you can like add like, oh, I start this next run with another extra five health. Or I have an extra 10% damage when I'm attacking someone from the back. Um, or I get one extra death defiance, which is like you die, but you have, so it's kind of like a life, like you don't actually die. Uh, you restore yourself with a little bit of, uh, of HP after you hit zero, but you like sacrifice that token. And so there's these different things you can buy back in like the Hades's chamber in between runs. And also in between runs, there's like people mulling about Hades like Achilles is there and you can pet Cerberus and you can talk to your dad who hates you and so it's it's just there's story stuff happening each time you go through the game and like every time you get a boon from a god they talk to you and sometimes they'll react to things you've done and it's just very engaging and like for a person who loves mythology like I do like it's so satisfying to play both in the sense of the combat and like the story happening. Interesting. I, at first, like, so from just looking at the pictures and stuff, I was like, it seemed almost like a JRPG type of thing, if you will, or an RPG. Cause everybody's just putting up pictures of the gods. Yeah. Cause the gods are hot. Like they, they, the art style <laughs> is just great. And everyone's just like drooling over how hot the gods are. 
And those conversations only happen when you pick up boons. Like they're not taking pictures of the actual combat. Yeah. Okay. Got it. The other thing I really like about it is that there aren't a lot of failed runs in the sense that there are times in like, I love Slay the Spider to death, like Slay the Spire, great game. But sometimes with Slay the Spire, you can like start your deck and be like, okay, I'm going to build towards this. And like the first few things you get kind of help a little bit towards that. But then you, the randomization just makes it so you don't get the thing you need or you start getting other stuff and you just don't really file down to the build you were trying to go for. And that happens in dead cells where like you'll get, you not get weapons that mesh well together and like the run will just fall apart or enter the gungeon is another big one where, you know, that one requires you to get keys to open chests to get the good guns. But sometimes you just get a terrible gun and the run just is kind of over before it begins because you don't really get any good synergy. Hades, it never feels like I'm on a bad run. Like, I always feel like I can, okay, I've got this. I can beat the boss with this once I really get going. And that's partly in because in part that, I just said partly in part. Oh, brain, mouth, work together once, would you please? Come on. It's because Hades gives you choices. Like, the first couple of rooms in the first world are, like, linear, where you just have one choice and you go to the next room. And there are occasional linear progressions smattered around or scattered smatter is a word too (sighs) speech not good today sorry but you always have like choices as to which door you can go through and choices as to which boon you want to get and so like you might be getting a boon from zeus but there will be three options that you can choose from within like the zeus boonable things and so you'll always be able to be like, okay, well, I'm going for a run that really buffs my special attack. And this boon from Zeus would really help with that. So I can choose that one instead of just getting randomly assigned something that just doesn't work. Very rarely are you put in a position where you have to choose something that just sucks. The only time that happens is when you choose to go after a chaos boon and chaos is you know another god and he just has random shit and the way chaos works is you have his boon but it gives you a disadvantage for like the next three or four battles that you have to battle through and once you if you survive those next three or four battles you then get a good buff but his options are completely random And sometimes you'll just have to suck up a terrible thing because once you talk to him, you can't go back and be like, nah, I'm, I'm not, I'm good. I don't want to actually deal with you chaos. You have to choose one and it might, you have, might have to choose something that doesn't really help your build, but you know, you're stuck with it anyway, but that's chaos. And and I think that fits really well into the theme of the game. It actually makes me think of another game, but I'm trying to think of if you would have known it, have you ever played i think it was playstation one herc's adventures no i think i've heard of it though i'm trying to think of if i've mentioned this game to you basically i think you would really really enjoy that game i remember as a kid really liking it it's trying to think of how to describe it it's a full-on like super into greek mythology with lots of inside references to where if you knew the material the game is actually hilarious in a like a winking sort of way and you basically play one of three heroes i believe it's hercules jason and like um uh, who's the girl who runs really fast with the golden apples um not she's not a goddess it's not like it's gonna bother me the she had the apples or you had to beat her by throwing the apple well not you had to beat her but whoever does beat her in a race to marry her through apples and she stopped at each one to pick them up and then that's how she was able to like or the guy was able to like beat her and win her hand in marriage uh but like you can play as those three characters or one of the three and it's like this cartoonish super cartoonish almost like if toe jam and earl's creators did greek mythology and it's just this giant fixed world with like 
you had to go to like this area and it's like a map of greece and you just go to different areas and oh you go here to fight the minotaur you go here to beat like the flaming boar and you go here for like the other thing but like it's so spot on with its mythology but it's as a kid i was like oh this is silly and cheesy but i learned a lot from it and as i got into like actual like learning about mythology i was like oh this game was really really smart but it was one of those games where as a kid it got too hard for me to play as a kid because i couldn't like i wasn't a good gamer but i could get pretty far into the game like and then i just think i if i played it now i think i could probably beat it but back then i just didn't understand like boss fight mechanics and like waiting for the timings and stuff like that and it's a good multiplayer game it's i would say look it up i don't know why if you wanted to have like an emulator not that we condone emulation but like <laughs> Herc's Adventures. Huh, I'll have to look into that because I if think you, it's yeah, it if, sounds familiar, but I definitely haven't played it. Like it's a game, it's a beat 'em up sort of game, but with a very smart like wink and a nod towards its audience. Cool. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely look into it. Um, see if there's a way to play it now or or what's going on. I'd play it with you somehow if you could. It's it's also got one of the best death mechanics ever. Which is when you die, you end up in like Hades and you just have to fight your way out. And that's it. If you fight your way out, <laughs> you get a new life. However, each time you go back, you go further and further back in like there's you have to go through one room. Then it's two rooms. Then it's three rooms. And there's like a two minute timer. And so at uh... some, it's like you could potentially run all the way through. And I think I've done it with like eight as the most. But at some point, like the enemies just overwhelm you or it becomes too difficult. But like... There's always that hope of like, I could still do it. I could still do it, and like, I'll get my life back, and it'll be fine. You just have to fight your way through hell. Huh. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I like I like that mechanic a lot. I really like uh, non-standard death things, where it's not just like a game over as soon as you die. Um, that sounds fun. I I'll, uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to look into it. Cool. Um, okay, so. I plugged Hades. I Ooh, talked about okay. the Microsoft Xbox thing. What else have I been playing? Anything else? I started a new round of XCOM two just for fun because I like playing it. Like a new like uh, campaign. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not like super into it so far, but you know I've just been messing around a little bit with some mods and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's nice. It's like a, a comfort play where I, it's engaging, but not taking like a lot of my brain power. Mm-hmm. What was I going to talk about? I had something planned. Oh, uh, so why don't we do a little bit more of the countdown cauldron? Where are we? We're coming close to the end. So we're we're into the top 20 now. Oh, and... okay. Still doing like me choosing randomly or are we going to hit like a... So I'm trying to decide. So like, I feel like we should have an episode dedicated to like the top 10. I want to say, I feel like a top 10 episode would be good. You know, that seems like a reasonable number of games to talk about over the course of an entire episode. I feel like trying Uh to pack in 20 would be too much, but also, yeah, I don't know. Like, should I just list 20 to 11 now? And like, because you've heard of a lot of these. I have, but I mean, if we want to talk about the games, it would be better to kind of not do every single one. And we can kind of like, maybe I do 20 through 15 or I pick three of those. So it's like three out of five or so, but I don't know. Because also like, if you're going to do the final top 10, it seems like that's the sort of thing that you would want to do in like December, but. Okay. I, I, we've gone over this already. Like, I don't want to do that. This is. For 2010 to 2019, I don't want this to coincide with the best of the game of the year. And I hate to bring it to you, but we're already in towards the end of September recording this. You know, like by the time the next episode airs, it'll be October. Like we're almost getting to the fact that it's close to November, December anyway. So I feel like we should take out 20 to 11 this time here. So. Why don't we go ahead and start? We'll do more than three, though. We'll just we'll keep going until the episode is is a good stopping point. Um, okay. Uh, so I know I have a number already. It's my favorite number. Okay. Okay. 
my favorite number of all time, not for its attack and defense values, but just my personal favorite, 18. 18. All right. Can you tell me a bit why you like 18 so much, since clearly it means something to you? It is. So whenever I do explain it, people get really weirded out. And so I'm learned just not to talk about like my obsession with 18, because that seems to like not be like socially. Not, it's not it's not your favorite because that's when people turn of legal age, right? No, no, of course okay, not. Then I'm not going to be creeped out by 18. Like, go ahead. Tell me. Tell me about it. So. 18 is a beautiful number to me in the sense of like, so half of 18 is nine and I really like nine. But then if you take nine and you take the square root of nine, you get three and 18 is made of a bunch of little threes. And I find that very like harmonious. Like this is like one of those things where it's just a good number. And like, maybe there is a little bit of like attractiveness to the 18 itself. I mean, you got that nice one right there and then the curves of the eight. Sure, but we don't have all to right, get into okay, that part. Right. Uh, like, you know, no, and we're not going to talk I about mean, that. So what I usually say is, oh, well, you know, Peyton Manning's number is 18 and I like 18 for that. But I mean, it's just a good number. All right. That you, you had me up until you started talking about how sexy the number was. At that point, you lost me. But I mean, it, it's fine. Oh, like God. How many threes can you put in an 18? Six of them. And six is another cool... Anyway, yeah. So I can keep going. I've gone for like 30 minutes on 18 before. All right. We're not going to go for 30 minutes on an 18. Uh, there are plenty of videos that do that. <laughs> All right. Good one. <laughs> uh, so number 18 on my list is a game I actually just mentioned uh, called Enter the Gungeon. And you've played that with me. Actually, I think it might have been the first game we ever, like, recorded a video for, wasn't it? Like, me and you playing Enter the Gungeon together? We played it together, and then I know I did a fireside chat to that, where that was the first of, like, me going, what if we had a podcast kind of thing? Yeah. But Enter the Gungeon, for those of you who don't know, is a roguelike as well. Uh, It's very funny because it's all gun related stuff so it's a bullet hell shooter twin stick shooter type of thing where you're exploring worlds and you're trying to escape the the gungeon or you're entering the gungeon and trying to is is it the the bullet of time I, i don't remember exactly what like the the plot is but you're one you can choose one of four different characters who have different abilities and it's really randomized it's probably the first roguelike that I really got into after Binding of Isaac. It, and it can just be a good run or a really terrible run right off the bat based on like what kinds of chests and items you get. And the guns are humorous. There's like there's a lightsaber in there. They have like the BFG. Um, there's a, a gun that shoots shotguns. You know, Wait, what? It's, it's yeah, it, one of the guns in the game is a gun that shoots shotguns that also shoot it's ridiculous it's just one of those it every sort of pop culture gun you could think of that has some sort of fame to it is probably in there parodied in some way it's really fun it's hard until you get used to it and i'm not good at bullet hell in any capacity so I don't think I've ever beaten it, but I have had a lot of fun playing it. And I credit it to getting me really into the roguelite genre. Because like, I liked Binding of Isaac, but there was stuff about Binding of Isaac that I didn't like. In the sense of, there was actively stuff in Binding of Isaac that made your runs worse. Like you could pick something up and it like actively harmed you. And that sort of randomization really turned me off after a while because you could just get fucked from the get-go. Or you could have a really good run and then end up with something terrible accidentally because you couldn't remember what all the items did or whatever. But Enter the Gungeon is a really solid game that had a, several free updates that like added a bunch of new stuff to it. So I recommend it if you're interested in roguelikes and or bullet hells. Yeah, it's probably to me the most famous. Like when I think of bullet hell, I think of Enter the Gungeon. Well, that's also because... You probably don't play bullet hell games. There are a lot of actual bullet hell games 
that aren't like a bullet hell combined with a roguelite that are out there that bullet hell people would probably think of. Um, yeah. But I don't know any of them either because I don't play those games. <laughs> I just know the shape one. That's it. We don't have to get into the shape one. Oh, yeah. The shape one. Next number? Geometry Wars, right? Uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Geometry Wars. That might have been the first, like, of that. I don't know when it came out or so, but yeah, that was one of the earliest that I was like, oh, I definitely don't like this. <laughs> um, How about. I have a tangential question, actually, though. Is Asteroids a bullet hell? Like the 80s game? No. Like, bullet hell specifically. It has to be really about like dodging and fast movement. I w- I would say, like the whole point of bullet hell is that you're literally in bullet hell, and like if re- if you aren't good at the games, like if you aren't good at dodging and whatnot, you're just gonna get torn to pieces. Like I think at best, asteroids would be a proto bullet hell because there was stuff you had to dodge, but you could just shoot it and it would break into pieces, kind of thing. So yeah, but... yeah, I don't I don't think it would really count as one. Okay. In my opinion. The next number should I pick? Yeah. I feel like I like 17, but I kind of want to jump ahead to 15 based on just the timing and spacing. I mean, it's it's entirely up to you. If we have the time, I'm kind of curious. Let's go to 17. It's just a nice prime number. Okay. Uh, number 17 is uh, Alpha Protocol. It's uh, a game that I kind of bang my drum about a lot because it's a lesser known game that didn't get nearly the attention it deserved have i talked about alpha protocol before you've said alpha protocol and i'm trying to like envision what comes to mind but i keep thinking of that game with the liberty bell in it for some reason (laughs) like the terrorists or so i don't know that you know the one i'm talking about though right I think it's Big Ben. I think you confused Liberty Bell and Big Ben. And Something about it, yeah. You, meant, you mean Watch Dogs. Yes. Which has absolutely nothing to do with Alpha Protocol. Uh, so real quick, Alpha Protocol was made by Obsidian, which did Fallout New Vegas and a bunch of other good RPGs. It's basically a spy thriller RPG shooter. Uh, it's okay. very different from other games where like you have like a reticle and like a circle you fire in but it's like you can add or lower your chances based on the spread in the circle so like you're not you don't actually need aiming like precise aiming skills but you need to have like the circle over where you aim it's very it plays very differently than like a normal shooter where it's just you point where you want to shoot and you shoot there's like randomization and like your chance of firing in this circle is where the the bullet will go um oh i hate those types of like where (laughs) because i want it where the dot is is where my bullet should go and this is more realistic and it's like in the circle is a 85 percent chance it'll probably be in there you can like upgrade your stats and stuff to make it so the circle is smaller and like there's all sorts of other stuff like it's an rpg so in the sense of like you have like skill trees and you can upgrade pistols or you can upgrade shotguns or you know which weapon you want to use more often and and your aim gets better and you get more damage with them that sort of thing and but the main reason alpha protocol is so good is because it has one of the best dialogue systems in any game i've ever played like and it's one of those games where choices you make actually affects the game later on uh when you play the game after like the first main mission area you have a choice of three different areas to go to and like which one you go to first affects others it will like close off options or open other options it's a very like dynamic game and the dialogue system is fantastic uh there's basically they divided it into three the three jbs which is there is it's i think it's suave aggressive and something else but it's uh, james have- bond jack bauer and jason Bourne are the three answers basically mm-hmm. and everything is either you're aggressive like jack bauer you're suave like james bond or you're like a kind of neutral uh jason Bourne sort of answer and people like and dislike you based on how you answer them. Like some people really like the aggressive stuff and like you acting crazy. And some people 
want to be, you know, seduced and you're know, like how well people like you based on your conversation affects what they'll do for you and how they'll help you over the course of the game. And it's just a fantastic RPG in a setting that doesn't get uh, a lot of attention, which is like that sort of spy thriller. You don't really hear about James Bond RPGs very often. And it was like a, in a modern setting and you know, you always get like fantasy settings or sci-fi or, you know, whatever, all this weird stuff. And just having like a James Bondy type spy character that is leveling up and having like these conversations and, and a, a spy mystery sort of plot going on. It was fantastic game. And I'm really sad that it, it did not get as much love as it should have because it's absolutely amazing. You had mentioned the JB thing before, I think. I don't know where, but somewhere in the episodes in the past, but okay but i'm still trying yeah. to envision like what does the game look like with the reticle thing in an rpg yeah it, it's it's hard to get used to if if you come into it expecting it to play like a regular shooter got it okay let's jump to the next one 15 okay 15 15 is donkey kong country tropical freeze what 15? Uh, yeah, 15. It, it is one of the best platformers I've ever played. It is the best of the Donkey Kong Country series. Uh, in terms of 2D platforming, it's just fantastic. The music is great. Uh, David Wise came back to compose. He was the original uh, composer for the Donkey Kong Country series. He came back and, and made the music for this one. It was originally on the Wii U, and so not a lot of people played it, but now it's on Switch, so you can play it on that. And yeah, it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite platformers of all time. Uh, you can't really get much better than it. Is it still the same kind of like premise for Donkey Kong? Like collect the bananas, get to the end kind of thing? Yep. Yeah, it's just collect bananas, fight bosses at the end of the world. There aren't Kremlins, but, you know, it's good. Basically, like a, a winter has sort of fallen over Donkey Kong Island and whatnot and like these evil vikings have sort of like viking enemies have taken over i don't remember what they actually called them but there's like penguins and viking hats and and that sort of thing one of the bosses is a polar bear of course you gotta have something like that okay let's see as we quickly wind down to another great number unlucky 13 unlucky 13 okay um yeah, Unlucky 13 is a pretty obvious one, although, I mean, I guess some people might think it would be a little higher up, but 13 is where it ended up falling. Do you, do you have a guess? Like, you've, you've heard a lot so far. Um, now that we're getting towards the top, you, you might have a general idea of what I liked and didn't like. Yeah, so. I feel like, like it better not be the game that I would probably hope would be in the top 10. Which is to say, like, XCOM 2 should not be as low as 13. I'm trying mm -hmm. to think of what else would be there, though. The problem is you play so many, and, like, these are, like, the cream of the crops for you. Like, a God of War could certainly probably throw in there. Um, there's a bunch of those. There's God of War a... was... All right, so just so you know, God of War was number 19. Okay. Ooh. the Like, God of War, which one? Or, like, the first one? I mean, the God of War that released in the last decade. Oh, there was only one? There was only one God of War. Like, there was God of War 3, I think, and God of... No. Oh, I just counted the franchise as, like, God of War, and whichever one no, the, it was. Okay, The so... game God of War okay. that was released in this decade is on my list at number 19. I feel the like the recent one. And that's... Wait, is... So now you're confusing me a little bit by... Is this... Which one is the Viking one? God of War? That, one, that one's this one. Yeah. Okay. God of War. I was about to say, I think that's the one that's highest rated of the God of Wars for you. Um, what about Assassin Creed has a bunch or a Hitman game? One of those is 13? Nope. Ooh. In the top 20? Oh, no. Uh, let's see. Assassin's Creed Odyssey was number 37. Oh, okay. Um, Hitman. I don't even. Did I put Hitman on here? Uh, no, I didn't. Hitman wasn't on here. Oh, okay. 
Um, it, it was in a it was a runner up, but it okay. didn't actually make the list. Then I don't know for number thirteen. Um, is it a computer game? Nope. Because I know Civ has already kind of come up. I think. Uh, All right. I don't know. Number thirteen is the Dark Souls of list entries, and that it's Dark Souls. Oh God. <laughs> that's the other franchise the the one franchise i don't talk about the the too hard for me and nothing appealing about it franchise yeah i mean i am still really adamant about the fact that dark souls is not as hard as people want to claim it is it is all about memorizing patterns and once you learn the mechanics and can like know the maps and things like that it becomes very easy much like a Mega Man game where it seems hard at first because enemies are flying everywhere but once you know the exact patterns that all the enemies follow it becomes a lot easier to navigate um, you can still make stupid mistakes but the game is a game and if you learn from it it becomes a lot easier but if you don't pay attention to what's going on then obviously it's going to be punishing uh but for me like i think it got the the series and like the game itself got a lot of negative attention because people had that get good philosophy and kind of were oh this game's point is to be difficult and it's not like yes it can be a hard game, and yes, it takes time to learn everything, but it's very satisfying once you have uh, gotten a grasp of, of what's going on. And so I think it's a disservice to the game um, to kind of make it out to be one of the hardest games ever, or whatever, what people like to do. Did they lean into that in the sequels and like try to go even harder or something, or is that just not? I mean, they didn't change anything about the difficulty like it stayed the same it's just like they leaned into the idea behind it like the complete edition for the pc was called dark souls prepare to die edition you know like they mm -hmm. because of the god what's the word reputation because of the reputation uh, that the game got the developers sort of leaned into it and kept with that style but i don't think two or three or any other games in the series are any harder than dark souls although sekiro sekiro is probably the most difficult i would say uh because but that's for completely different reasons than the regular dark Souls series like, I can rant about Sekiro for an entire podcast, so I'm not going to get into it. Another? Yeah, let's do one more. That way we'll have done 5 out of 20, or 5 out of 10 from okay. 11 to 20. This I kind of gave you 19, though, so... Yeah, this, was, this one's a tough choice for me in the sense of I have two numbers to pick from, and I like both numbers. 11's a good number. It's a good prime number. It's symmetrical. 12, it's just... There's a lot of stuff that can go into a 12, but 11, I feel like, is like a little treasure chest that you just have to unopen or unpack or just, what's inside? What's inside the box? All right. So I'm going to give you number 14 first because I want it off your list for when you're guessing the top 10. So, oh, no. uh, so number 14 was Overwatch. Oh. We don't, we don't need to talk about Overwatch, but because we've talked about it plenty over the course of many podcasts, but that's where Overwatch landed was number 14. I'm not offended. Number 11 is Horizon Zero Dawn. This and game, a lot of people talk about it, but I don't know what comes to mind. So yeah, what is this game about? It's it's the game with Aloy as the main character, and you your main weapon is a bow and arrow, and you fight robotic dinosaurs. Like, it was a good game? Oh yeah, it's a fantastic game. It's one of the very few games I've platinumed in the sense that I got all the trophies for because I love playing it so much. Uh, the combat is very unique because when you're fighting like the dinosaurs, you want to like strip off their armor. So you have different styles of arrows that you're firing and trip wires. 
and like every time you approach combat you can have like you can set up what you're going to do ahead of time like plant traps and then lure the dinosaurs into it you can tie the dinosaurs down and like the plot itself is a fantastic sci-fi plot it takes place after an apocalypse i don't want to spoil too much for people that haven't played it but it is absolutely amazing and the story I'm really looking forward to the second one just to find out uh, how the story continues and also what advancements they've made to the combat and what new robots they add. Uh, It's very fun. It's one of my all-time favorite uh, single players uh, from, at very least, the decade. Uh, I guess there's... Obviously, it's number 11. (laughs) It just didn't quite make the top 10. Okay. I think I associate it like negatively or lower in my mind because I feel like there was a streak of games where you bought a bunch of games and you didn't really like them. And like, I feel like this was in that pocket. It was, I associate it with that space game that you had high hopes for that didn't work out. The the super peaceful one that didn't end up being that action-y and was kind of boring. Like it simulated a whole galaxy for you. I am really confused right now. What are you talking about? So you got this space game. And where uh-huh. you're like an astronaut on like planets and stuff and you have a spaceship and you go from place to place and it creates like it's I guess it's I don't know if it's connected to everybody else online as well. But like, oh, oh, No Man's Sky. That one. I mean, like, I feel like that was a disappointment. And that was around. Was. I associate this game with that one in the sense of like there were a couple of disappointing games and this might have been like just lumped in there. All right. No, not okay. not at yeah. all. So, wow. Uh, no, not no, 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 no. Uh, so Horizon Zero Dawn came out basically like I think three days before the Switch and Breath of the Wild came out, uh. and a lot of people got caught up in a Horizon Zero Dawn versus Breath of the Wild fanboy war where it was Sony versus Nintendo and the mm-hmm. fact that everyone loves Breath of the Wild so much a lot of Nintendo people kind of continually shat on Horizon despite never playing it or having any interest in playing it and they were very similar in the sense of that they were both open world games but that is about where their similarities ended and it was just happened to be two open world games releasing within a couple days of each other one of which was a big sony headliner and one of which was like the big headliner for the new nintendo system and so i don't know if you might have absorbed some sort of negative energy from I that think so but this was like back in 2017 so this was year and a half before we even started the podcast i wonder when no man's sky came out but it's separate uh 2016 because i looked it up to uh, see yeah when so it was absolutely nowhere near um, Horizon Zero Dawn. So I have no idea why you associate those games. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That's uh, that's you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now we are at the top 10. One of the so, future episodes will have all of them. I think next episode, we're just going to... Next episode is going to be the uh, top 10 games of the year no top 10 games of the decade from 2010 to 2019 episode i'll come up with a much snappier title than that by the time the podcast comes out don't worry now i'm starting to wonder like what is the number one game Hmm. well that's your assignment for next week since we're going into this what my top 10 is i want you to sit down and just you come up with what your top 10 list is for me whoa whoa, whoa. no that's that's me. way too fucking hard i'm gonna call the shot of what i think number one is i think i know and if it's not i'm gonna riot okay do you want me to say it now no no that's okay fine. no okay uh, but i come on at least you've been hanging out with me so long i know you know at least some of the ones that are on the top 10 like You've See, been this doing is the this podcast with, like, for two years. You've got to like, have absorbed some some information from This it. is where it's like there's 90 games behind me, though. The odds are just not in my favor. That's why I was like, Civilization, we play a lot. But I was like, Civ's been mentioned, hasn't it? And I'm like going back and forth on those sorts of things. And then I'm like, I know some franchises might be in there, but I don't know like 
if that's like which one or something if you like the third one more than the fourth one or something like that so that's why that's i'm fair. like torn on those that's why i'm going with my i know this game is fantastic and it better be number one and if not we need to know who the fuck beat it and why <laughs> all right uh well that's it for this week's episode i feel like we had a good one this time my eye has been bothering me for like the last 20 minutes and I hate it. Uh, Freaking eye just going bad for no reason. Where can they find you, Harvey Z? You can find me on Twitter at the Z is silent with T-H-A for the the. You can find me on Twitter at T-Man Plays Games. You can find our podcast at Make Me a Podcast. You can always email us questions at makemeagamerpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find my writings at tmanwrites.com. I recently, no, it's not recent anymore. I'm not even going to plug it. I, I wrote something about uh, the Avengers a while back, and it's going to be really far a while back by the time you uh, hear this. So I'm not even, that was an anti-plug. Call your shot, uh, say you're going to write something, and then you got a deadline. I'm going to write something about Hades by the time this, you know, happens. So there, That's... there, I called my shot. There you go. Okay, uh, take us out, Harvey Z. So I've discovered a new type of game, and I'm wondering if I should get into it. It's basically called The Stock Market. I think, can I make it a game, and can I game it and become, like, a millionaire? That's oh, the newest get-rich-quick scheme. I know nothing about this stuff, but how hard could it be? I see no way this will go poorly, especially since it's, like, overdue that the stock market is going to collapse any time now. Wait, what? <laughs> I just bought a whole bunch of shares of Nintendo. It's got to succeed. That's a really esoteric stock market joke. If you were into stocks right now, you'd be laughing your ass off.